Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expenses to win and expensive. I got expenses to win and expensive. I've been out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. But when it rains and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. Welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Podcast, where we talk about selling freight and freight accessories all over the place, don't we, Dooner? <laughs> freight accessories? It's like ex- accessorial charges. You know what we're going to be talking about today, though? I'm excited about today's show. This one is, uh, it, it, this, the young gentleman is going to come on today. He came on our radar, I think it was about mid-June. He did this really excellent tweet that he put out there about, you know, how to Twitter in 2020. Excellent advice. Went, you know, pretty viral. Got a lot of attention uh, internally at Freight Waves throughout the internet. His name's Toby Howell. He's with The Morning Brew, which itself is uh, is kind of a curiosity, right? The, a newsletter worth millions of dollars that was just formed in the past year or two? Sounds crazy. It is crazy. You know, it's a, it's a newsletter, newsletter first media company, and it's 10 rules for social selling, social media brand building. I love the, the concept of 10 rules. Five rules, ten rules. It's nice and simple. You can wrap your head. Even I can understand it. I can wrap my head around it, which is phenomenal. Uh, so it's going to be a great conversation coming up with, with Toby at, at the Morning Brew. Yeah, and today's show it's going to be all about you know if you're a marketer, you're a leader, you're worried, you want to make your social media brand presence better. That's what we'll be talking about today: social media brand strategy. Pulling up the LinkedIn right now. If you're in the comments, give us a shout out. Say hello. Let me just share this out to everybody as well. Put it out in the world, and there we go. Okay, Kevin Hill. Oh, we got some already. Hope says, uh, we turned this morning. Chris Jolly says, good morning, everyone. And he's coming in from the West Coast. Chris Jolly, excellent story. Let's tip the band really quick. Hubtran is causing an efficiency revolution in the transportation back office. Hubtran automates invoice processing, customer billing, and document management with AI and OCR technology, leaving more time for your teams to focus on what really matters. And you know what? That is increasing your business's profitability. To learn more, tell them, Kevin Hill. To learn more, just visit hubtran.com. Today is today. Today, today, today. I had my uh, stretching ropes on the bed. I can't have <laughs> refuse on my bed like that. Good thing I started dancing over there. I noticed them. Nobody I know, them. right? <laughs> it's such a great theme song. Uh, yes. I, I, you know, you make the greatest theme songs. You know that, Jenner? <laughs> well, you know, you got to make a jingle. Marketing's all about jingles, and here's the jingle that are owed to bad marketing. This week, we're looking at, because we're doing social media, we're looking at uh, the Pratt Falls that you can fall into with some tweets. We have a few examples here. The first one comes from Kenneth Cole. And this one is, jeez, uh, what year was this, Kevin Hill? I think it was like 2013, <laughs> 2013 right? 2011. 
So this is back in the day when a lot of Twitter outlets were a lot of companies were using automatic tweeters that would look into trends, into trend situations. And they would automatically send out a, a tweet to hit up on those hashtags. This one was million. This is from Kenneth Cole. Millions are in an uproar in Cairo. Rumor is they heard our new spring collection is now available online at Kenneth Cole. The dangers of automation, Kevin. It is the dangers of automation. You know, you have a trend. You know, Twitter is is coming into its own in 2013. They have the auto tweets that sound like a fantastic idea, right? It's just going to automatically tweet out stuff that based on trends. Uh, but you don't know what those trends are. You know, it's not always good news. You know, you do have uprisings. You you have civil discontent, and you know, boots on the ground, and you know, wait, wait. Uh, you know, boots on the ground. What was it? This is it, one. This is somewhere. one that that uh, there's another one. About sandals, pumps, and loafers too, right? So yes. there you go. Yes. So that was another tweet from Kenneth Cole. That was actually uh, that came out after their apology as well. They're like, oh. we're sorry. We didn't mean that. The boots on the ground one that offended some in the military. Another one we have here is from the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and this is kind of like when going funny goes bad. This one offended some people. They thought they were you know, appropriating culture and that kind of stuff. They call this otter a thick girl, Abby. Um, otter fans, uh, uh, I, a number of different groups got upset by that one as well. Got to be careful. We'll talk to Toby about humor. He uses humor. He uses memes. How do you go about doing that, though, without uh, offending the masses, right? There's a few different groups it's, who got mad at, at the otter. Yeah, we were talking about this before we went on air. It's a very thin line between being really witty and and having a great tweet that 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 really uh, uh, expands your brand and offending a bunch of people, right? I mean, the, the the role of humor it's really a fine line, and where do you cross it, and how do you be careful about that? It's uh, I've I've seen some 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 strange tweets and and even LinkedIn posts that that really cross the line. Yeah, I saw one today by a free TMS company. And I'm like, really, dude? Okay, uh, Chase had one that outraged a lot of people. It was uh, you. And this one, it didn't outrage me, I think. And we were talking about this before we went on air because we're like, this almost sounds like advice we would give on here. But I think coming from a bank, right, that was one mm-hmm. issue. I think that if it came out this year, it would be a lot more offensive. But it says, this is from Chase. It says, you, why is my balance so low? Bank account, make coffee at home. Bank account, eat the food that's already in the fridge. Bank account, you don't need a cab. It's only three blocks. You, I guess we'll never know. Bank account, seriously, Monday motivation. So Chase is telling people not to you know, spend money on superfluous stuff. But a lot of people unemployed, too. And a lot of people may not be able to control why they're broke. It may not be for such surface reasons. So I think that was what some of the outrage may have been from. True, and, and this this didn't come out this year. This came out, as we said, April 29th of 2019 when we had record low unemployment. It was like 3.5%. It's, what, it's 12 15% now. Uh, but, you know, it is advice that we probably give ourselves, give anyone listening to the show. You know, if you're broke, you know, don't spend money. It, it's pretty simple, but um, – but I guess if you're the wealthiest, largest uh, global bank, or at least the U.S. bank, uh, Chase, uh, you might it might sound insensitive. Steve Fer- Steve Ferreira says the Chevrolet Nova sold poorly in Spanish-speaking countries because the name translates to "doesn't go" in Spanish. Yeah, there was a, there's a Pepsi too. I think it was called like Pepsi Rise or something. And the marketing campaign translated to "if you drink it, your relatives will rise from the dead." <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. And he, here's and Nicole Barrett's here, Robert Boosie. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Hope White as well. And then the UPS store, they have one where this was around Christmas time, right? They said, if your child addresses a letter to the North Pole, you can leave it with us. 
we do the shredding. So again, another humor, maybe gone off the rails. Didn't seem so bad, but it was on a list of the most outraged tweets of 2018. Yeah, you know, you, I, it's just not horrible, but, you know, you don't want to be going around tweeting out that uh, you, your kids aren't going to – their letters aren't going to get delivered to Santa, right? That they're just going to get shredded, you know? Uh, it's, it's not really in with the Christmas spirit, I guess. Probably not. All right, let's get to our own quotes. Hopefully these don't offend anybody. This one is, users are fickle. Friendster has proved that. Even a few people leaving would reverberate through the entire user base. The users are interconnected. That is the whole point. Mark Zuckerberg in the social network as portrayed by Jesse Eisenberg. You ever see that one, Kevin Hill? I did see it. It's a, it's a great movie. I, it took me a long time to watch. I only watched it maybe a year ago um, because I didn't really – I'm not a huge Facebook fan, so I, I – I didn't really feel a need, but when I finally sat down and watched it, it was really good. It really gave a great backstory, and this quote is exactly right. You know, the social networks or networks in, in any industry or anything, everything is so interconnected and interlocked, and it's really fragile. You think it's, it's very robust because you have so many users, but it's, uh, it's, it's really fragile at the end of the day because you just have a, a few power users maybe or – or, or something to, to, to go wrong, and it just kind of breaks up. And here's just the quote of the year. It's, am I muted, right? I think we can all agree. That should be Times quote of the year or something. Am I muted? We hear it every single day when we are in virtual meetings. Yes, it is ubiquitous now, right? It is the quote, and it should be Times quote of the year or maybe Times man of the year or person of the year. Uh, is, am I muted? Am I muted? Uh, it's, it's great. Uh, they have some really good commercials. Too. Is it Progressive that does the, uh, the, the virtual call? Uh, commercials uh, with with a bunch of people talking over each other, you know, mooted. You have a uh, conference called Bingo. Uh, you have a, a lot of fun and games with it. All right, let's get to the main event. Let's get to our main topic here. Selling via social media and building a brand. And this is one of those ones where you see a bunch of contentious outlooks. Even in the comments, we had a few people go, well, uh, Twitter doesn't will, won't work for you. Don't use it. Uh one thing you got to be careful is a lot of times when people say you realize what you're hearing, it should be for, for them, right? They're saying they don't know how to use it. Because I can assure you that nearly any social network has communities in it and you can find ways to leverage it and better position it. And one of the reasonings why social selling is becoming so impactful is because of the age of biz- business to business decision makers. Now, in fact, I was just looking at a study eight, between the between the ages of 18 and 34 in 2012, 27% were decision makers. Now it's 46%. And then as the ages get older, right, as the categories get older, mm-hmm. that percentage of decision makers is actually going down instead of going up like it was in the past. So the people you're trying to connect with are on Twitter, on LinkedIn, etc. I mean, this isn't new news to anyone probably in the LinkedIn comments, but some of you may not have exploited the value of Twitter yet. Yeah, exactly. And it goes with uh, demographics uh, that you see out there, right? You have the baby boomer generation who are retiring at an accelerated pace. You know, year over year, uh, they're, they're just leaving the workforce, retiring. It's a huge demographic generation. And then you get down to, say, Generation, generation X, uh, which we're part of. It's a much, much smaller generation. And then you get into millennials and what is it, Z or Y? I, I can't I, I can't ever, I, I can't ever keep them all straight. It's Z. Z, yes. Um, <coughs> But their demographics are much larger. So Generation X is a, a tiny generation sandwiched between a huge generation with baby boomers and a, a, a much larger one than, than we are, uh, Generation Z. 
Well, and the Zoomers, generations eat. the Zoomers are eating everyone's lunch too. They're, they've just they've just declared me more on on everybody, and the millennials are like, hey, wait, I'm just adulting over here. So that's amusing. But here's <laughs> another reason: research has also found that sales reps who use social media find, on average, forty five percent more opportunities to their peers. In addition, social selling helps best best in best best in class companies achieve a sixteen percent gain in year over year revenue. That's four times better than companies that don't use social selling. And I know a lot of you probably struggle at times, especially in supply chain. You're you're in your office, and maybe you get a call from your boss, or you get a Slack from your boss, or an email saying, "Why are you spending so much time on LinkedIn or Twitter or messing around?" Uh, now you kind of have to convince them that this is a core component to your selling. And one of the things we'll talk about today is how you go about doing that. It's a very good question. How do you go about doing it? Because a lot of people don't do it very well. But yeah, social is where everyone kind of hangs out, whether you, you agree that people should be hanging out and spending all their time on social media or not. That's where the that's where everybody is these days, it seems, right? Your customer base is, is sitting over there, and we all want to be content marketers, and content marketing is is a very important part of any sales game, is being that content marketer, and instead of uh, trying to build an email list or, you know, or, or driving web traffic, it's a very easy uh, distribution channel to, to send out your content. So you got to make sure that your content and your strategy in your game is doing really good because if it's poor or if it's horrible, it's going to adversely affect you more than you ever realize. Yes. And one of the things we always talk about on here too, is the amount of information that you can grab off of social media by following the businesses that you want to connect with, by following your prospects, by engaging with their posts, not just engaging with your small micro networks that you have have developed. Find the people you actually want to sell to as well and start adding value to their network. Today, Toby is going to be an excellent example of of increasing just because all these things are you have to, you know, building a brand and selling are two different things, right? You build the brand, you go ahead and sell it. So you got to focus on one thing at a time. But in terms of brand building, what Toby has done is use content marketing via Twitter by creating a Twitter thread that added a lot of value to people by giving great information on Twitter that people then go out and share. They come back and follow him, increasing his reach and increasing the reach of Morning Brew. Yeah, and, and there's, there's different kinds of branding and sales, as you just pointed out. You know, I mean, uh, branding and media, branding and sales is, is, is pretty close. There's a lot of overlap, right? In, in freight sales, there might not be as much overlap. You know, you want to brand yourself. You want to get a reputation. You want to be out there. Uh, but then you have to, to roll up your sleeves, get in, and actually do the selling, you know, selling the value props, the presentations, uh, the you know, building value on top of that and collecting money on your rates. So it's a little bit different, but the, the guidelines of how to get out there, uh, build great content, increase your brand and get your foot in the door on, on the companies that you need to, to be talking to is this can be an invaluable lesson to our audience. And John Piper says for content marketers, not a good idea to get involved in the political arguments on social right now. I highly agree, you know, especially if you're going to take a very inflammatory stance, you might want to keep that offline. You might want to treat it like the Thanksgiving dinner table, you know, unless that's what you're going for. If you are maybe with some far right or far right organization and your branding is that you bring these really controversial opinions, 
Good for you. But if you don't want to, then be careful because people will put you in those categories. People will put you in those categories right away. You'll get unfollowed. I have like on my own personal experience on LinkedIn, whenever I see something come up for there's there's a couple certain political organizations that are popping up more and more. And it's becoming a little bit more like Facebook because of the political climate in the United States on LinkedIn right now, whenever I see people comment or like on those things, I always have to unfollow them because I just don't. The reason I left Facebook is because I didn't want my feed to become that because, you know, it's dangerous because at the wrong moment, it can pull you in, right? Someone says something that you morally disagree with or you don't feel good about, then you jump into it. And next thing you know, you're reducing to yourself to their level. And that can be the problem with trolling. Although one caveat, because Toby is going to tell us why sometimes starting a Twitter beef is a good idea. Sometimes it is a good idea. Sometimes it's not a good idea, as we found out a few weeks ago. Uh, the, you know, we had a troll uh, trolling us, and you know, basically a lot of his content is this political, inflammatory uh, things. But I do the same thing, Dooner. Once you start getting into politics, uh, especially on LinkedIn, I just unfollow. Uh, because I, I, you know what, I, I'm there for business. I'm there to to make money, to to increase my brand. I don't want to get into any kind of political arguments or really see that. I don't want it to be a Facebook feed where you get all kinds of trash. So I, I do do that, and uh, I, you know. There's an old saying, you know, polite conversations leave religion and politics out of it, and I adhere to those rules. Hope White says, too, absolutely, do not discuss politics on social media. And you know what? This year that can get murky because opinions on a lot of things have been politicized. I don't think it's necessarily problematic to comment on those things. I mean, especially if you're you're doing so mm-hmm. constructively or positively. I think that we're talking a bit more about uh, just having a very polarizing opinion. People uh, – People are upset. People are upset this year. Uh, you don't want to, especially if you're going to brand. And again, we're talking from the perspective of sales, marketing, and brand mm-hmm. building. So you have to be protective of that. And you have to understand that your output is your brand. Now, the next thing about output is you have to think about something that we all have to contend with, which is algorithms on different platforms. LinkedIn has its own algorithms. It has different types of posts that it favors, as does Twitter, as does TikTok, as do they all. And that's where a big problem can come in when people are pitching or people are using marketing automation software, even like HubSpot. You know, Toby had a great a great tweet that he put out that he said brands would increase something immeasurable. He said brands would increase immeasurably if they just stopped posting links all the time. Uh, yeah, and I, I agree with that. And, and we're going to hear more uh, from Toby about that. And really getting personal, having a personality, which he does really well at on the Morning Brew, is having a personality, having your, your Twitter handle or your LinkedIn handle, if you're a brand, having its own unique personality with the person behind it, it kind of takes away the automation uh, portion of it. There are, you know, automation is, is great because it's more efficient, but you lose part of your edge in your story and your personality when you do it. So it's a fine line between, between those two. If there were, if there were five keys to, to social branding and social selling, I would say they're probably post engage hunt search and social listening. Social listening is probably one of the most important one. And that's where you just read comments and you listen to the problems. There's so much information, there's so much business intelligence being put out on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook by companies and people who work for companies, that social listening can be a very valuable tool 
to learn about problems that companies have. And I think one of the errors, in, especially in freight that salespeople make, is they only look for those posts that are like, I need a load booked to such and such, right? They're doing, they're looking very transactional. Where I think the bigger nut to crack open is to look for people who are talking about actual problems in their supply chain and thinking of relevant solutions that can align with them, or at least networking them and seeing who they talk to and who they may work with. And that's the thing with that's the problem with social selling sometimes in branding is that there's a lot more steps to it than just a simple cold call or a cold email. You actually have to you have to warm it up a little bit. You do. And, and, and basically what we're talking about is mapping out the strategy for for your sales game, uh, doing social listening, you know, going through. And, and it's, it's just like reading articles, you know, whether it's New York Times or Wall Street Journal or online media and that traditional meeting going on, going on FreightWaves.com and reading about freight. It's also taking that to the next step and looking at what people are commenting about those articles and about those uh, situations in in logistics, transportation, freight, and identifying those trends and mapping out a, a sales message that that it really focuses down on there and and, and targets problems that that shippers or, or your customers might have. Another thing that Toby did yesterday was he he put out a tweet just asking to hear from thought leaders, right? And he did something that works really well. And and you just have to gain a little confidence in yourself to do this, but be comfortable putting signaling out there and being comfortable asking people if they want to, to talk to you because a lot of people are very helpful and don't worry about their title. Don't worry about their business because there's assholes in, uh, you know, in every level of the company and there's good people in every level of the company as well. And you never know who's going to be willing to talk to you. And the worst thing they can do is either ghost you, say no, uh, you know, not reply to the message. You don't get any likes or engagement. It's not a big deal. The, the upside though of getting someone from, and I think that Toby was able to get someone from, I think Dom from fast is going to be interviewed for a little series that they're doing where they want to get, they want to get leaders and he's getting a pretty big game right out a pretty big get out of the gate we'll talk to him a little bit about that he's actually in the comments he says always be listening always be borrowing another really cool topic we'll Mm -hmm. talk to him about because i think that some people out there newer to social media they see a lot of memes going around they see a lot of different posts they're trying to hack the algorithm they're trying to get good placement and they're like do I to steal or not to steal? And what is stealing and what constitutes stealing in 2020 on the Internet? You know, there's some people who all they do really is aggregate and take videos from other people. And they're incredibly successful, like Rex Chapman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and basically, uh, business has always been about copying or borrowing or stealing, whatever label that you want to put on it. If something's working for somebody else, yeah, you copy it. Uh, you know, basically, why reinvent the wheel? If it's working for somebody, you take it, you put your own kind of personality into it, your own spin to it. You, you kind of, and that's what art is too, right? That's what music is. That's what movies are. And the movies, you know, movies are the same stories from, you know, the beginning of time almost, just uh, different characters, different situations, but the themes are the same. And if you can, you know, then that's. That's what you do. That's what we all do. That's what I do. I borrow what works well for other people, put my little personality on it, and I run with it. If it works, great. I keep doing it, and people are going to borrow it from me. If it doesn't, I quit doing it, and I look for something else. Well, I think think of all the memes in history. When have you like who is who's recognized as the author of any famous meme that has ever happened? Nobody knows. They're kind of like public domain, and most memes are already stolen IP, right? They're an image from a movie, they're an image from a a show or something, and then someone puts some commentary on top of it. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things. One of those. It's just an internet thing. It's one of those shared 
Things. Although I did put a poll out on uh, on LinkedIn. If you've been on LinkedIn lately, there's kind of this, I think it's a little cheesy. It's this algorithm hack that they've been putting out, which is trying to use the the like, heart, clap, you know, uh, system that they have underneath posts to to drive engagement and drive and drive likes to hack the algorithm to make a, a, a poll that's focused that way. I was curious what people thought of it because I'm always like, that's a little cheesy. So far, the voting. Let me check it out. Do you, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Kevin, I am not. Is is, is some, something LinkedIn is well, LinkedIn is trying to roll out to, to have no, more no, 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 no. This is people. So you put up an image that says, "Do, do you like working from home?" This is one that people put out all the times. So it'll get like three thousand likes, but they're like, it'll it'll be like, you know, thumbs up will be yes, no will be a clap, heart will be you know a, a mix of both the um you know the the light bulb. Will be its its own thing. Okay. Yes. No, that, I don't know what you're talking about, but go ahead. All right. You don't spend enough time on LinkedIn. You've been you've been busy with that <laughs> with your girlfriend, man. I've seen you kayaking on Twitter. Right. Speaking of Twitter, uh, kayaking. Yes. All right. Well, seven people say seven people say it's cheesy. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it works better. I think this <laughs> hack works better if you ask people if they want to work from home. It, it might. Uh, what was the, the the point of it? To did, hack did the work? algorithm. It's algorithm hacking. Are you paying attention to me today, Kevin? I, I, I am, yes. Okay, so so people put it up there so it forces you to engage with the post and not just look at it. So you have to either like you it. You have you, to do it. We don't have to. You could not do it, but it drives engagement. It's algorithm hacking. All right, I'm calling Toby up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right. Get inspired. It's Toby Howe from The Morning Brew. What's up, man? How you doing? I've been watching your show. I know. I see, I see you in the comments. And, man, you have kind of taken off like a rocket ship on social media. And you did it by doing the thing we always recommend to people in content marketing is give some really helpful advice, right? You made a really cool thread on Twitter talking about how to Twitter in 2020. You gave great examples of how you've grown Morning Brew. And since June, I think you posted yesterday, you were at like... 600 followers and now you're at what 6,000 yeah it was it was kind of a crazy milestone for me yeah I think um yeah I think at June 15th I was right at 600 and then yeah woke up yesterday had 6,000 and just kind of took a step back and said whoa what happened here It was a lot of it had to do with awesome. that, that, that post, right? I mean, I know people in Freightways and our own company have been referencing it. We've been referencing it to them. Other people that I, that I talk to within the industry are like, wow, have you seen this? And I'm like, wow, Toby's kind of going, he's going a little viral over here. And it's an amazing <laughs> story because you, uh, you haven't been with the morning brew for that long, right? You haven't even been doing marketing for that long. I think this is what a new thing for you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background. How did you end up at the brew? Because uh, that's a cool story in and of itself, that letter that you sent. Right. Yeah. So I kind of got my job at the brew through a cold email um, in just its purest form. I literally reached out to um, the two co-founders, Alex and Austin, sent them an email about potentially starting a new content vertical called Sports Brew. And on it, like I reached out to them midway through February, and then by March, I I had I already had the job. So it was it was this crazy turn of events that 
was really accelerated by, yeah, this, this kind of YOLO cold email that I sent. Um, and then, yeah, as for the, for my background, I think that's what kind of made my thread resonate with people is because I literally did not do social media management. I wasn't a marketer of any sort, but I mean, I, I grew up on social media and, and grew up on Twitter. So I, I understood the platform and then literally just from figuring stuff out from posting on the morning brew account, I kind of came up with these, these 10 learnings, if you will, that felt really organic to people because I literally learned them through trying stuff out, which is why I think it was, it was like a thread that resonated with people. Now, your letter, though, one thing that's really cool is not only did you post a letter, but you kind of diagnosed what you, what you went through here. And you put a couple things that you would, that we would tell anyone to tell a sales prospect to do, which is you knew a little bit of information about the person you were sending this to. So you keyed in on something you knew that they were a, uh, a big fan of, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say I was pretty much obsessed with the morning brew before I applied, which helped me. Like I knew a kind of inside joke that one of the co-founders, Austin, he loved the vlogger, David Dobrik. And, and so I led with this little joke. I kind of made it feel like we were talking about a little insider information. Like we were, we were already close friends. So that just immediately kind of proved that one, I had been listening and watching and uh, understood the things that he valued. And then the leading with that just kind of breaks the ice and, and the, makes him more apt to listen to what I have to say in the ensuing email. I love that. I, yeah. I love that cold email to, to, to get a job. I mean, certainly I've, I've done cold emails to get jobs too. This one, I started out with the cold email. So it is, it's great. And, and you have a great hook in there, you know, uh, you've done your research, you've done everything that is fantastic. Yeah, no. And then, I, I, I broke it down into an article and then a Twitter thread too. And I've, I've found kind of this success in, it's almost a case study approach. It's not a new approach by any means, but I basically break down something that I've done into my thinking, the results that it, it, um, it achieves. And then just share that via, via Twitter. And the same with my social media thread, the same with my cold email thread. It just really resonates with people because I have like the proof was already in the pudding. Like I, I got the job. So this is what I did to get that job. And that is something that I feel like people have really just enjoyed because it's not, you, you get a lot of just general advice out there. Like you can search, there's a million pieces on how to cold email, but it's all very general things where mine were very specific. And I think that's what people enjoy. So you you so you take the bus to New York City. D well, did you take the bus? You had it because you, you got the job. I, I, yeah, I literally, I, I got an email or uh, um, an interview set up, and literally the next day, I jumped on a bus to New York City. Actually, wrote an entire newsletter on that bus ride, so I just had another piece of content to to show them. Um, and then, yeah, that uh, apparently that was what kind of tipped the needle in my favor is that. Because if you want to get hired for, for a content job, my thinking is just put as much content in front of the people who are going to be hiring you as possible just to show what you can do. Um, and so, yeah, on that bus ride, cranked out a, a Morning Brew lookalike newsletter for, for them to read, which I think helped my case. You know, Kevin, he said something really interesting there, which was he 
he ta- he took his content and he made it into a number of different assets. And I was go I went to HubSpot has this big uh, I think it's called what is it Insight HubSpot's big marketing conference they have in Boston. I went a couple of years ago and I listened to this great session where this speaker was going on and on about how a lot of content creators will do a blog or they'll do a podcast or they'll do a video and that'll be it. They'll make it, they'll put it out in the world, and then they'll they'll move on from it and they won't get a lot of value out of the assets. So they're not getting a lot of value out of the stuff. They're producing. Toby, you're seeing, so you're seeing a lot of, uh, I know you kind of advocate for that, and you're actually complimenting someone on Twitter recently who I think also did a podcast with you, and you're like, wow, he turned into a podcast, turned into a video, turned it into an article, and, and put a lot of use out of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I call it like the content flywheel, where, yeah, if you do an interview, turn that interview into an article, turn that article into a tweet thread, now you have three pieces of, of really insightful content and obviously, the, the key caveat to that is you can't just copy and paste an article onto Twitter. Like you have to adapt it to fit the medium. And so even though I wrote this whole article on cold emailing, I, I changed a lot of it just so it would be native to, to a Twitter thread. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that, that content flywheel. But the most important part is adapting that content to fit the medium. And I don't know why, why, why more people don't do that, right? Because it's the easiest thing to do. It's of all the choices you have, if you do a podcast, turn it into an article, turn it into different assets, it's much easier than trying to recreate another piece for, for Twitter or come out with multiple, multiple podcasts uh, is to just really just, uh, just take one piece of, of marketing and distribute it into different channels and change it up just a little bit and, and create more pieces of it. It's, it's really the, the easiest and, and the, the late, not the laziest thing to do, but the easiest thing to do. I mean, everything else is much more complicated. Well, Kevin, you're a researcher yeah. too. So you take, you take this sort of research approach. So if you're putting time into yeah. content, you have to extend it out. But you know what Toby said that, that is, uh, that I think some people forget. And a lot of brands we see on Twitter or on LinkedIn, they automate all of their stuff through HubSpot or similar. And I think that, I think people see right through it. It's not, it's not a, you know, using HubSpot to automate your tweets is not a brand identity. I know that you're a pretty strong advocate against that. Does Morning Brew use any automation? How do you run things over there? What's your philosophy on the identity that companies should put out online? Yeah. Well, so going back to kind of the automate thing, um, so, yeah, so you know my stance on links. Like, I hate links. Links are the enemy of engagement. Um, and so, yeah, you'll you'll have this account. I spoke with the Business Insider um, distribution editor, and she was just talking about how she feels kind of hamstrung because their content creation system is someone writes an article, and then they automatically just tweet out a link to that article. And they have, like, millions and millions of followers, so they get very little engagement on their tweets because it's just a soulless link test, basically. Um, and I don't want to call a business insider. I love them, but that was just top of my mind right now. Um, and then so as for how I approach it at the Morning Brew, there's actually zero automation whatsoever. And it's literally, this sounds weird to say, but I treat it as just like if it was my own account. And I think that's the only way to humanize a brand account is to not look at it, look at it as a brand account at all look at it as just a really big personal account. And so that just like people love it because we're approachable. We're fun. Like it sounds like a real life person is running the account because it is. And, and so, yeah, I have no automation. I could probably 
work on that because we're we put out all this content and from the promotional aspect so like when someone drops part like our head of um of partnerships just dropped this really great piece about his one year anniversary here and so that's something that i want more people to see and so that's something i could potentially automate but on a day-to-day basis it's just me tweeting oftentimes tweeting from my phone too because i actually think that increases the, the voice aspect of twitter it gives it lends tweets there like a firmal nature if you send it from your phone and not your computer oh yeah i hadn't been on twitter on a computer in like years actually until i got to freeways i think it was the first time i actually used uh, the just because i have my laptop open so often but like everything was was ipad ipad or or mobile we have a question from from blythe though she asked this yesterday on the thread when you said you're coming on and i uh, this is probably the perfect time to ask it because you mentioned there's no automation so she wanted to know please mm-hmm. ask about the editorial chain of command for proper gif usage so how does that go and how do you avoid some of that those bad marketing pratfalls we mentioned at the beginning where brands were getting in trouble for trying to be uh, too humorous or, or maybe the wrong kind of humorous? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to trust. Um, I actually don't really... So my managing editor and I are kind of the two who focus on, on Twitter. And so if I think that anything I'm about to tweet out is even remotely controversial, I'll just run it by him as an extra set of eyes. Since um, he's been doing this longer, he knows like, what's, what's okay and what's not. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's, it's actually though, a lot of it's just on me and I understand that I'm representing Money Brew as a brand. And so I'm just, I'm careful and I make sure to, to never, yeah, dip my toes into those kind of like ugly, ugly sides of, of Twitter where I don't want to overtly troll anyone. I don't want to overtly offend anyone. That's not what Twitter should be for. And so there's not a whole lot of oversight, I would say, but like, that being said, I mean, I love the Morning Brew brand, and so I think that's the best way to ensure that I'm going to treat it very carefully and make sure to represent it well, just because I want to always put our best foot forward on, on Twitter. So, Kevin, you, you you were showing me that tweet where where Toby had said that he got into a beef with, with the stoolies, with, with uh, Stool mm-hmm. Presidente. Mm-hmm. El Presidente, you just said, you know, try to stay out of those waters, but... That's the uh, that's the nuance, right, of using social media and Twitter. But if you read how you got into that beef, you had some rules of, of engagement, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was actually a very calculated um, kind of, yeah, um, beef marketing session, if you will. And so a couple of reasons why I, could, I felt comfortable doing that is, one, like I... I I'm familiar with Barstool. Like I, I've been following them for a few years, so I understand how they kind of operate. Um, and so, like, I knew not to take their bait necessarily. Um, and so, I think from that that perspective, like, I, I went in not not getting blindsided by like Prez. Like, if, if I hadn't known who he was, then it would probably be a little harder to navigate those waters. But I felt very comfortable in that kind of yeah, like beef marketing ecosystem. And so, yeah, and then also just, yeah, going back to what I said, you never want to compromise your your brand's values. Like, you never want to get too deep into the mud. But also, like, I'm not going to overlook the fact that Prez is a massive force on Twitter. Like, he's got 1.7 million followers. He's been huge in the finance community for the last few months. Like, that's an opportunity that 
I'm going to seize a hundred percent of the time. And, and yeah. And so it, it's definitely a balance between not compromising who you are as a brand, but also just like seizing a very, very powerful brand building moment. And so, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to keep kind of stoking that, that rivalry. Like I, I love just doing digs at him here and there just to see if it erupts again and, and see if we can capitalize again on, on kind of this, this beef that I've created very intentionally. And the foundation of building those beefs and one of the most interesting rules that you have here on, on social media and something I don't think anyone, a lot of people don't really take fully advantage of is interacting with power users and, and the methods for, for tagging them and, and, and creating situations where you can do measured beefs with them. Can you uh, go into that a little bit, Toby? Yeah. I, so this, this could technically fall under like, the growth hacking label, which I, I try to stay away from. Um, but so, yeah, I, I have post notifications on for a few Twitter power users like Elon Musk, Jack from Twitter, Mark Cuban, um, and a few others. And so every time they tweet, I see if I can kind of jump in there with a relevant, because those are, those are huge players in our specific niche. Um, and so I think I can just jump in, throw a comment in there because, yeah, I, I call it, it's to direct mainline to if you comment on the Elon Musk tweet, that's that's a sixty-eight million person timeline that you just jumped into. And so like I see no problem with with doing that. Again, you don't want it to become too trolly or too clickbaity or too like you want to still represent Morning Brew well, but I mean I don't see why it's ever a bad thing to get your tweet in front of that many eyeballs. Um, and it's actually funny. Ever since I tweeted that out, you can tell that some people have post notifications on for mor- Morning Brew. <laughs> so then, yeah, like I know exactly who who knows when we're tweeting. So, and I can't fault them for it because they're doing exactly what I said I'm doing. So, that, that reply, yeah, like within half a second, is uh, is is a good right. tell. But you, uh, you know, this is good advice that a lot yeah. of people, I, especially people newer to Twitter, may not know. If you go on an account, you can click a little bell, and anytime they tweet, you'll get an alert. So if you notice, like, a, a, an example of this where there's people who obviously have alerts on them is, like, President Trump, for example. There's, like, recurring characters at the top of every – every time he tweets, there's, like, the same eight people who right. are at the top on those – Clearly yeah. have alerts. You can you can build like micro followings underneath brands just by having those alerts on and creating the right familiarity. And I think that some people get discouraged because they don't have their alerts on. By the time they see it's somewhere like that Reddit effect. By the time you see a big thread and comment, people have already moved on. By the time it makes the main page, same with Twitter. A lot of times, by the time the algorithm feeds you that thread, you might not have a chance to jump in there. But if you got the alerts in, you can be right in at the top and get that really. Nice prime positioning. Joseph Landry in the comments, he's got one. He, he, uh, I mean, this is subjective. He says, are you trying not to offend an overly sensitive snowflake or a reasonable person? How do you choose your audience for a joke? And I think this is a good opportunity, Toby, to speak a little bit about what you said before about having a, a tone, right? A brand voice. You And you mentioned you don't sell mm-hmm. links. So you're not selling anything through Morning Brew other than a feeling, right? And that's what you're doing with the voice. Right. No, you, you put it great right there. It's like, yeah, we're not trying to, we're not even trying to get you necessarily to sign up for our newsletter. And we're, we're a free newsletter, which should be like the easiest thing to, to sell. But people don't come to Twitter to be sold something, really. They come to Twitter to be on Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, from that perspective, I always just try to build 
the, yeah, whatever you want to call it, the brand voice of, of Born Crew. And then for how I kind of approach that voice. So I'm, again, my day job is a daily news write, letter writer. Like I, I, I'm a writer as my, my day job or main job, I guess. And so I'm writing the newsletter every single day, which absolutely immerses me in our voice. And so like the morning brew voice comes very naturally to me because I guess me and it are kind of the same thing. Like I, I'm helping write the newsletter. And so that, that voice just can be translated to Twitter very easily. And yeah, I mean, I'm not, not trying to offend people. Like there's just, honestly, it never really comes up in, in my day to day. Like why would I ever try to provoke people unnecessarily? Like that's not, or provoke people in a, a malicious way. That's just never, ever going to be something I want to do on Twitter. So it's never very hard to say, Oh, is this going to offend somebody? Because I'm just never even going into those waters at all. Let's talk about uh, gifs and borrowings. I, I know you posted or you, you commented on the, on the feed on the show uh, before we talked a little bit about borrowing that whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how powerful are like memes and, and gifs uh, to, to create content and, and put it out on Twitter? Wait, do you call them? I call them gifs. Well, Toby, what do you call them? Settle the debate. Is it a gif or a gif? <laughs> I honestly was team gif for the longest time. <laughs> and then slowly, I don't know what's happened, but I started saying gif. So I don't know. I'm I'm I go either way. I used to be staunchly team GIF, but now I'm I'm, I'm dipping my toes into GIF. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm no help. You're gonna be a great politician yeah. one day, Toby. I, I yeah, exactly. Yeah, always yeah, hedge your bets. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, but on the borrowing idea, I this is something that a lot of people are not comfortable with because they're like, oh, I gotta. I got to sit down. I got to create all my own content. And that's just like a really hard thing to do. Like there's very few people who can just put out original, like who can create a meme basically, not just adapt a meme. I don't know. I don't know if anyone who is just can do that 24 seven. And so, yeah, just a culture. I'm a product of being on the internet all the time. And you can, the way I put it is that the internet will tell you what is or isn't funny. And so now it's just my job to adapt whatever the internet has decided is funny into something that's relevant for our audience. And so that adaption is the critical part of it. Like you can't just blatantly repost someone's meme or blatantly repost someone's video without changing it. And so I just, I find whatever is kind of trending at the moment and then just change it in such a way that our audience would find it enjoyable and relevant to them. And so I never, yeah, I'm not, never steal, but like my, my example is, I mean, Kanye West uses tons of samples in his song. Like he's the sample king. The Lion King is literally just a retelling of, of Hamlet with animals. So like technically that's stealing and borrowing, but it's adapted in such a way that makes it something completely different. And so, yeah, I am, I am all a fan. I'm all for borrowing, all for kind of using the internet ability to weed out what is and isn't funny to your advantage. You know, what, um, what, yeah, big fan of borrowing. Toby, what you said there is, is really smart. And I think that 
a lot of brand managers, people who want to get invested in social media, the, the first thing you should do is understand the social media you're going on. So it's okay to be a little passive at first and understand what is acceptable on the platform. Like, for example, you know, 60 second videos, uh, memes, things like that. They're not considered, they're not really considered theft. No one's really going to get on your case about it. That's the culture that occurs on Twitter. So you have to understand that culture and you have to respect the audience that you're marketing to. And it's going to benefit you in a number of different ways, not just for making better posts and all that stuff, but from avoiding those pratfalls and staying within the the lines that the community self-polices. Like you said, people know what's funny right. and what isn't funny, but here's a controversial one. Commandment number six in your Twitter rules, never use emojis. I know this made Kevin Hill very upset. <laughs> he only uh, communicates <laughs> in emojis. No, but people, there's some people who think that like millennial Zoomers, they only can communicate in emojis. You're right here and you're like, never use emojis, just don't. Why is that? Right. Okay, so that, again, is more of a medium thing um, than anything. So, like, I am all for using emojis in text messages with your friends, but I think it is absolutely a language of our generation. Like, people use emojis all the time when they're, when they're talking with their friends. But on Twitter, people use emojis in a different way, and I think they use them as, like, a crutch for storytelling, and they think, like, oh, I'm going to toss an emoji. I'm going to talk about Elon Musk rocket launcher i'm gonna put a rocket emoji because it's a rocket like that actually doesn't enhance the tweet or the message in any meaningful way it's just something that people think is is good for because yeah emojis are are fun but so my i've honestly been tempted numerous times to toss an emoji into a tweet but so what i'll do is i'll write the tweet out put the emoji in and then before i send it i'll just delete the emoji (laughs) to like resist the temptation and the tweet just always ends up looking better. It looks more professional. It conveys the message in a better way and doesn't use, yeah, that, that crutch that, that emojis provide. And the only exception I'll say is, so we're morning brew. Our, our logo is the coffee cup. And so I have wanted to turn the coffee cup emoji into synonymous with the morning brew brand. And so I asked people to put that, in their name, which to me is a very different set of, of storytelling. That's, that's like social signaling. If you see someone with a coffee cup in their name, you know they read The Morning Brew. And that's like an insanely effective piece of, of, of storytelling versus, yeah, so that, that emoji uses I'm all for, but versus saying like, hey, I read The Morning Brew and then putting a coffee cup, it's just not as effective because you literally just said, hey, I read The Morning Brew. So, you want- it's an important distinction between, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, it is an important distinction. It's having other people uh, basically take your logo or your emoji. Sometimes uh, a lot of social media posts I read, it's like reading hieroglyphics with, with these emojis. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you're, you're, it's powerful to have other people take uh, whatever you put out there and and run with it. You know, he said, Kevin, we give giveaways. We give we give books away on here. And one of the reasons you give books mm-hmm. away is obviously you want to create engagement and you want to create ways to do it. And uh, over the past couple of years, I've tried different ones. And number seven really resonated with me because you say that for giveaways, you have to have low lift, right? So you really just anything right. more than a like or or a retweet, you're kind of asking for less and less engagement. You, you use an example of asking someone to take a screenshot of a quiz seems simple enough at the time when you're tweeting it, but getting the actual people to come back and post that can be a much bigger challenge than you might initially assume. Right. Right. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a great example. 
of something that I tried that just didn't work. Like, yeah, I thought at the time, like, oh, a screenshot, like, it's cool. It'll drive awareness for our quiz. It sounds good on the surface, but, like, again, people are on Twitter to be on Twitter, and they don't want to have to get off Twitter, go take our quiz, take a screenshot, and upload it. Like, yeah, it's just way too high lift. And so, right for my next giveaway, it was liking a retweet. But then I also hijacked our own giveaway to get people to put that emoji in their in their name. And so I made it, it was a seven-day giveaway, and I made it very clear that I was only going to reward the the sweatshirt that we were giving away to people who had that coffee cup in their name. And so I used it as one for an engagement, to drive engagement, but also to drive this other brand initiative that I wanted to achieve. So like if you guys did the giveaway, you would say, hey, if you put a truck, like and retweet, but also wink, wink, if you have a truck emoji in your name, then we're going to pick you for the winner. And since it was over seven days, like people were much more likely to add that cup once they saw people with the cup winning the giveaway. So yeah, that was a, that was an interesting kind of like secondary giveaway experiment that seemed to work a lot better than my first attempt at it. So what's the, what's the next thing on the agenda, Toby? Uh, what are you kind of experimenting with, doing A-B testing, you know, doing your trial and error to see what works? <laughs> what, what's, what's your obsession right now of the next thing that you're going to do on Twitter? Yeah, how do we go viral? Yeah. Uh, well, those are, those are two different, different questions right there you just asked. Um, so I wish, I wish they were the same, the same answer, but my current obsession is figuring out how to promote our content that we create and our content creators. Like, for instance, our business casual podcast is a podcast for Learning Brew just hit 4 million subscribers. And so that's like a really important milestone and something that I would love to turn into a, a tweet or a post that can get a lot of engagement and get people excited. Um, but I like haven't been able to, whenever I, whenever I post some promotional content for, for someone on our team, like it just doesn't perform very well. And so I'm trying to figure out the way to come like get the information that I need to convey, but also get it. So it's a highly engaged tweet. And so it's definitely like this delicate balance that I haven't quite figured out yet. So that's my current obsession. But it doesn't look like it's going to turn viral anytime soon, unfortunately. <laughs> that can be tough, right? Because you also have to you have to drive results for your brands and all that stuff, and you have to you have to convince. And, and Morning Brew seems like they have great leadership, but you have to convince them that what you're doing is creating brand equity via social media, and it's not it's 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 a little bit more indirect than someone just literally clicking on a link and you looking in your your analytics and seeing that it came from Twitter. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, but so how, how do you go, go virals? Is, is it just uh, throw spaghetti at the wall and use, use the best practices? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was kind of my finisher in that tweet thread is that, yeah, you just got to throw as many darts as you can with as much accuracy as you can. And eventually the algorithm will kind of just take over from there. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I go in between thinking like trying to go viral because people will smell it out if you are fishing for like virality, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to to shoot for. Like, of course you want to go viral. Like that's the, that's the quickest way to grow your account is to have something blow up. And so like, I am honestly always looking for those moments, but it's not something that you can necessarily create out of thin air. It just kind of 
has to happen. But so, yeah, I just always try to put myself and put our account in a position to to go viral if it should, if it should, uh, the occasion should arise. Well, Toby, a lot of people in the comments were, were out of time here, but I know that you have bookmarked on the uh, the pinned on the top of your tweets, your your rules, your commandments to tweeting, running the morning brew. So let's send them over to your mm-hmm. Twitter account. They can go check it out after the show. There'll also be a link to that thread in the show notes and to Toby's Twitter account and the article on FreightWaves.com if you're listening to this on demand. But Toby, how do they find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Toby Doy Howell. Um, you can also follow Morning Brew account at um, Morning Brew. And then, yeah, on Instagram, we are at Morning Brew. So go follow all those. And drop me a comment that you listen to this, and I'll, I'll definitely uh, respond back. Fantastic stuff. Hey, Toby, thank you so much for your time today, and keep up the great work over at The Brew. Yeah, thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Wow. Good stuff, man. Smart, smart, right. incredibly sharp kid. I mean, he understands the medium that he's operating in. He's he's. He's, I mean, you know, you could write it off, though, as him just being of the generation and growing up with it. But he clearly he clearly has some very smart strategies and some very quick pivots that he has made to have the success he has had this quick running the Morning Brews social media, especially its presence on Twitter, which was not nearly as big as it was when he got before he got there. Exactly right. He's you can tell that he's immersed himself in in the fundamentals of social media and, and Twitter. And with anything in life, you have to immerse yourself in it. You have to get obsessed with it to, to be really good at it, to do all the uh, the the. The, the failing or the, the trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't. But the, the prizes at the end of the day, uh, whether it be sales or, or marketing or social media, uh, you go through all those, all, all those errors and things that don't work, but you, you really master what does work for you. And, and you know what? You become a master at, at what, whatever you're doing. So, good example of bad marketing right here in the comments. Truck, truck, I won't even say their name, but some e-file services that like no communication with the community at all. Nothing at all. They just post a, a, li- a link to their thing. A link to their thing. That's bad marketing. Sorry, e-file service. Step it up. Listen to a little bit more. Put that coffee down. We'll help you out. Uh, Kevin, we're giving a book away, uh, with a, with low lift, low lift book. How, uh, how do we go about it? Who's, uh, what book is it? Low lift book. Uh, it is. I, I forget what one. I think it was this one. How to make your point in thirty seconds or less, which I, is good. Good for social media and and Twitter when you have uh, not too many uh, characters that to share. I think this is the one uh, we we did last week. All right, let's roll. It is number four. All right, who is number four? Who's number four? Somebody's been waiting a while. Patrick Murray. He's been waiting the fourth person to get on this list, and he has won. See, good things come to those who wait. We had a a similar example happened last year, um, last last year, last week with uh, with Chris Jolly. Chris Jolly, he kind of stepped in two times for us. Two times he stepped in when uh, when needed. He answered the call. He was not the first name drawn in the book, but the person who had been drawn was already picked, and then he was someone who was supposed to be a guest on What the Truck backed out. On short notice, Chris Jolly jumped in there, and that's what you got to do in sales. Don't get negative. Don't get mad when people say no. Stay positive. Hang around and be available when needed, and good things can happen, right? Persistence, 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 all with a positive attitude. That's what we have. And next week, we'll, we'll give away. Hopefully, Mr. Supply Chain will, will, will send me a couple of autographed copies of his supply chain for dummies. And those will arrive before next Wednesday. Daniel Stanton. Uh, so if you're, if you're listening, Mr. Supply Chain, get those in the mail. 
and we'll give one of those away you, uh, next week. You can subscribe to this show on Freightcast. Look up Freightcast in your favorite podcast player of choice or put that coffee down on Freightcast. You get every single Freightways podcast, too, including What the Truck, The Morning Minute, Great Quarter Guys with Kevin Hill, all of our stuff uh, all of our stuff on there. And we also have this great 3PL content from our virtual summit. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. You can find him at Kevin Hill CL or find us on the LinkedIn. Keep the conversation going. Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone in the comments. Julie Johnson, Rhonda Bumpensay, Sheena Dave, uh, Amanda Miller, um, Nervad. Jeez, they're all here. Thank you guys so much for showing up today. Kevin, any last words? I know last words. It's just all trial and error. You have to trial and error, and you'll find your way, and you'll make some sales. Yeah. So that's my final words. See you over at FreightWaves.com, and catch you tomorrow for the Midday Market Update at noon. 